Hello, everybody. My name is Claire, and I am part of the team here, and it's very good to be with you. And I am going to um, try and help us finish this little series on identity that uh, we've been looking at the last two or three weeks. So we've looked at the idea that um, our identity in God is in partly is because we're a child of God. And um, we've looked at the, what that means to be a child of God. The thing that Rachel was ta talking with you last week was what it is to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. That is part of our identity in God. And then today we're going to look at the idea of being a friend of God. And one of the things that we probably want to just say is that in our culture, 21st century culture, talking about identity is a little bit complex. And probably there's been a lot of discussion about it. And we're in a time in history where identity is seen to be something that belongs to me. And I'm going to find it, and I'm going to wrestle it to the ground, and I'm going to own it. This is my thing. And yet when we come up against the Bible and the words of the Bible and what God says in the Bible, we find that identity is not just something that you have that is to do with you, but it's also something that God gives you as a gift. And there are many facets to the gift of, God's, of the identity that God gives you. And one of them is what it means to be a friend of God. And I wonder if that means anything to you. Do you think you are a friend of God? So conjure up in your mind right now one of the best friends that you've had, or two or three if you can't choose one, who has been a really good friend to you. And if I was to say to you, what are the features of a really good friend, just bring them to mind. I wonder what you would say. I can imagine that people say being able to trust one another, being able to connect really well, shared interests, yeah? Yeah looking out for one another, hanging in there through time, that sort of thing. Those are the sort of things that you think of when you think of friends. Here's a definition from Psychology Today about the definition of a true friend. I wonder if you could just measure up some of your friendships against that. Don't be too mean on them. Be kind and gracious. The tendency to desire what is best for the other. Sympathy and empathy. So important in a friendship, isn't it? That people understand one another. They get me. Honesty, how important is honesty in our friendships? Mutual understanding, compassion, support, enjoyment of each other's company. One of the things I thought that I would add into this list is laughing. Laughing with your friends is such a good thing to do, isn't it? And we, none of us have got quite enough laughing probably in our life. But I tell you what, somebody who makes me laugh, Nigel Savage, he is a funny man. <laughs> And he, we're good friends. We've been friends a long time, good friends with Rachel. And we laugh a lot. Nigel's always wondering why I'm laughing at him so much. It's because I think he's funny, okay? <laughs> the ability to be oneself, express one's feelings, make mistakes without fear of judgment. Who's had friendships that when they look back, they think, wow, I messed up that friendship a bit. But it survived. We got through it. Maybe you've had friendships that didn't survive and it's devastating because it's really important that friendships survive and keep growing even through difficulties. Mutual cooperation, especially in times of crisis. These things are huge in our lives, aren't they? Now have a look at this little image. Um, it's an extraordinary image. Look at that. What on earth is that? I wonder, some people will know straight away. That is a social network. You think Facebook is social networking. No, that is a social network. 
And every dot on there is a person. And it's from a group of students in one year group in an American university, 292 students. And they were all asked the question, who would you consider to be a friend in this year group? And if the person that they mentioned also said it about them, a line was drawn. So it's like a mutual thing, not stalking, you know, yes, they're my friend, but they, you know. So that is, isn't that an amazing image? Obviously, there's some people on the outside, and some people are right in the middle of everything, and everyone is their friend. But that social network, that is such a human thing that we do. It's part of our humanity to be friends. It's crucial to our self-understanding the way that we navigate the world. Friendships are so important. So when we talk about being a friend of God, it's not a small thing like, oh, that's a nice idea. Is it possible that something as important and identity-defining as friendship could be applied to our relationship with God? Jesus said this, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friend. God says that to you today. I call you friend. Allow it to sink in. It says in James 2 that Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith, it says this, Abraham believed God and he was, it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So all the way through the Jewish faith, their history with God, right from the very beginning were these ideas that You could be friends with this invisible being who you can't hear and is hard to relate to. If we're really honest, it is hard to relate to God because he's invisible and he doesn't speak out loud. How can you be friends with somebody like that? And yet we find it is possible that we can. And it is crucial to our identity, our self-understanding A Christian believes that we understand ourselves better, who we are, how to relate to the world, how to be strong and powerful and free and overcoming in the world. We understand ourselves by these aspects of our identity in God. You are a friend of God. Tozer, one of my favorites, as you know, I am always quoting him, said this, the whole outlook of mankind might be changed if we could all believe that we dwell under a friendly sky and that the God of heaven, though exalted in majesty and power, is eager to be friends with us. I love that. How different it would be, our lives might be, if we could understand that and really get hold of it. So what does it matter And I want to to ask the question today, is it even really possible? Is it a real thing? How can I really be a friend of God? So that's where we're going to go. We're going to talk, look at a passage right now. And that is really what I just, for some people here, you've been friends for a long time with God and you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you would say that I count God, my friendship with God, has something that has defined my life for decades. And maybe you're really near the the end of your life. And you would say, I have walked with God through the ups and downs of life. And he has proven 
to me that he is my friend. He's for me. He's with me. And I am a friend of his. And you know that that is a precious thing to have. My dad died just before Christmas. And he spent the last year of his life with this amazing, peaceful sort of sense of having lived a life walking with God, knowing God, and he was really genuinely at peace. And he slipped away into heaven at the end of the year at peace. And he knew where he was going. And one day, my mum asked him about six months before he died. I don't know why she asked him. She just said, do you believe you're important to God? My dad had dementia, and he didn't really have much of a, not a lot of conversation was going on, to be honest. And when she said that, do you believe you're important to God? He said, oh, yes, very much so. And then (laughs) went back into his fairly silent sort of way. But, you know, it's an extraordinary thing to walk with God and to have a friendship with God that lasts a lifetime. So let's just go there and, and talk about some things that will help us really reconnect with that idea. So here's a passage in John 15. We're going to read it together. Where Jesus is circling around our connection to God and he's talking, he's conjured up this picture for them to think of a vine and he's saying it's almost like I'm a vine tree and you're the branches. The father is the gardener and it's a vivid picture. It would have been absolutely vivid to the people listening to him because they were, the idea of vineyards, you know, they were surrounded by vineyards. They were very important to their economy, to the way of life. And so this is a very vivid picture. And in the middle of this, he homes in on this one little section of this passage. And he's talking about what this looks like in real life. So he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. But just as I have, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. That sounds good. My command to you is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know what is his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. There's You know, you could preach a sermon series on every sentence in that passage. It's extraordinary. And I'm just going to home in on two or three ideas. So the first thing I'm going to say is friendship with God is about remaining. And that is a real problem. The problem of remaining is an issue for us. Why is it? Because we're fair-weather friends, to be honest. I am. If I'm having a bad day and I'm in a bad mood and things are not going well or I feel like I've failed or something like that or I'm feeling like out of sorts, I don't feel great like God is smiling on me and 
everything's wonderful. Quite often it feels like God's a little bit inaccessible in those times. And maybe you're somebody who has looked for God in times of suffering and you've noticed it's hard to find him. And it is. That is a reality. Remaining is not a small thing to try and achieve. And when Jesus says it, what I think about some of these passages, I wonder sometimes about the whole of the Bible. I wonder, is every single sentence in the Bible actually there because it's really contested ground? This is the contested ground of friendship, is remaining. Becoming friends with God, being introduced, looking for God, finding God, having spiritual experiences, they come and go. But remaining is precious, just as it is in human friendships. The friendships you have had that have stuck by you through times of suffering and hardship, when you've had an argument and you've reconciled, kind of friendships that are there for you when no one else would be, those friendships are life-defining. They're identity-defining. And if you're that kind of friend to someone, it makes you a very special, precious person to be friends like that. And Jesus is saying that's the kind of quality of relationship. It's remaining. It's not some fluffy idea that it's going to be wonderful every single day because friendships aren't really like that. There's a bit of a challenge, like a step up here. Can you, will you remain? And today, where are you at? I can remember a time when all my kids were little. And to be honest, I'd had a long friendship with God since I was a very young child. And I just felt, yes, I know God. I, you know, I, I talked to him and I was comfortable in my relationship with God. And when I had very young children, my life was a bit <laughs> was mayhem because we had five children under five. It was mad. And, um, you know, we had, we had this back garden... <laughs> But sometimes I'd look out and it would be covered in toys. And I'd think, my life is chaos. Look at that garden, it's ugly. And then other days I'd come out and I'd look at the garden, it would have been miraculously tidied up. And I'd think, wow, my life's all together. Where are the toys? And then we would go out, me and my husband, we'd discover that our little toddlers had thrown all the toys over the wall at the end of the garden into the graveyard. (laughs) And there they all were, and it was like a 10-foot drop. And they just hoiked them over, tidying up the garden. Deck chairs, I'm not exaggerating. Everything that they could get over the gardens. It looked great, but it was mayhem. I remember time in that period of my life when lots of things, it was hard, lots of things. We'd had a child born with learning difficulties. It was something to navigate. And I was searching for God a bit. And where was he? I sat on this bench in the garden at one particular moment. I remember it very clearly. And I started to say, Lord, as if I was going to pray. And I just thought, you are, where are you? You are unfamiliar to me. In this time, it feels like you're a million miles away. And maybe today, that is where you're at. And that is a reality sometimes of walking with God is that he's not always easy to access. But I hung in there and I said some things to God and I actually read this amazing book at that time called Disappointed with God. It's brilliant and I really recommend it by Philip Yancey because it starts at the premise that sometimes God is very disappointing 
doesn't seem to show up just when you want him to. He doesn't behave in the way that we would wish he would. And so um, I had to do some processing, but I remained there with God. Second thing is to say is that Jesus talks about loving. He's saying, as I have loved you. And he, he says this, he says, greater love has no one than this than that someone lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends if you do what I command. Now, I think our instinct with that verse is to think, oh, okay, command, command. That's what friendship is about. I've got to do what God commands, and I've got to have this greater love and everything. But actually, what Jesus is doing right there is hinting at something they knew nothing about. They knew nothing about what was about to unfold in their lives, Jesus with his friends. He's talking about his death that was coming. He knew that he was going to lay down his life for his friends. And he's not just setting this impossibly high bar for his friends. He's saying, telling you this, I'm laying a pathway for our friendship. And I am going to do something for you that will blow your mind. When you finally get hold of it and understand it, you'll know that I have forged a pathway for you between you and me that is irrevocable. That means our friendship may never have to die. That we don't need to be estranged. I'm going to lay a pathway for you that will reconcile you and me permanently, irrevocably, forever. We're going to do communion in a little bit. And that's what we're celebrating. The act of Jesus laying down his life so that we could have a pathway to him. His mercy is assured because he died for us. Forgiveness is assured. Grace is assured. A way back is assured. I'm saying that to you today, maybe to you personally. There's a way back. And so when Jesus says, greater love is no man than this, and that he laid down his life for his friends, he's really saying, I'm going to do that because I call you my friends. And I'm going to make it certain that we can be friends forever, that you'll be able to remain. I'm going to give you my spirit to enable you to hang in there when it's really hard. Actually, our identity as friends of God is not something that we're trying to be. It's something that is given to us. And it's a res- our friendship with God is a response to God's initiative. It's not something we're trying to be. You don't have to try and be a better friend. You need to respond in gratitude and just say, God, thank you for your grace. Thank you that you forgive me. Thank you that you've made this pathway for me to know you as a friend. And finally, you are invited to an extraordinary adventure when you're a friend of God. It's not just a comforting thing, someone to be there when you're suffering. It's actually an adventure. Listen to this. This is a, from Pope Benedict, the previous pope. And I love this. He's talking about the apostles in this. He mentions this word, the apostles. It means missionaries, the sent ones, the fathers of the church. And he says this, For each one of you, as for the apostles... The encounter with the divine teacher, that's Jesus, who calls you friends, may be the beginning of an extraordinary adventure. That of becoming apostles 
among your contemporaries to lead them to live their own experience of friendship with God, with God who has made himself my friend. It's an amazing thing that if you become a friend of God and God is your friend, your job is to let other people know that that is what is on offer. And one of the things that Jesus says is he says this thing about being, moving from being a servant to a friend. What does he mean by that? I'm not going to call you a servant. I'm going to call you a friend. Well, the Jewish mindset would have been very familiar with the idea of being a servant of God. And in fact, a servant in their culture is someone who doesn't really know the master. They're just there to do their bidding. They're there without any real identity. That is irrelevant They're just there to wait and see what the master wants them to do. And Jesus says, I'm transferring you out of that place into this place of intimacy, a friendship. And what he says is the outworking of that is because he says, servants don't know what the master is doing. Friends know what God is doing. That is how we partner with God and we become friends with God. That is why it's an extraordinary adventure. That is why we can prophesy, we can listen to God, the inaudible God, and learn through our intimacy, our friendship, our fellowship with God to hear his voice, to partner with him and tell other people what God is saying. It's an extraordinary thing. And actually, I wonder if there's a little clue in there about how to relate to God, this servant-to-friend thing that might sometimes explain why prayer isn't always answered in the way we expect. You know, Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me, not like a servant with this slightly religious mindset of, I've no idea whether God likes me or not, whether he's in a good mood, maybe he'll do something today. That's kind of like a servant mindset. And Jesus is saying, get into a friend mindset. Know what God is up to and join in like a friend, a partner with God. That's a challenge, I think, and it's a challenge I'm going to leave you with. And as we go into communion, maybe there's um, something that you want to say to God about, I want to grow in this sense of partnership. I don't want to feel this distance where I have no idea what you think of me. I want to feel confident that you and I are friends. So let us begin again, God, today renew our friendship and let's find each other again here's four things that I just thought these things are good to do that will help us deepen our friendship with God choose to waste time with Jesus the best kind of friendships are actually when you just hang out not doing loads of jobs sometimes we treat our relationship with God a bit like a job quiet time tick he's pleased with me now That's not it. A friendship is something where you share. Have you ever laughed with God? I mean, some people have, but it's a bit of a kind of an out there idea. Have you ever found something funny and then said to God, do you think that's funny? Do you know what I think? Funny is one of the best things in the world. (laughs) I think laughing is one of the things we all really love to do. Of course it comes from God because all good things come from God. God must be funny. I know, it's a bit of a mind spin. He must be. He must be funny. Discover it. 
waste time with God, with Jesus. Discover what he's like. Just talk to him, chat to him, share with him. Cultivate thankfulness, because thankfulness is one of the keys to pretty much everything, isn't it? If you're thankful and you actually articulate thankfulness in your relationship with God, you will find that it's like the oil of relationship. It flows between you and God and something ignites as you start. And if you're stuck today, I'm saying this to you, go and find 10 things to be thankful for and tell God about them. Something will ease. Learn how to trust more. This is my quick plug for the wholeness course. Honestly, trust issues really mess up relationships. And it's not a question of whether or not we trust God. Sometimes it's about whether or not we've been messed up in ways from the past and it's infected our ability to trust. That's our normal stuff that we do on wholeness is we look back into the past and we look at things where people maybe have hurt us and affected our ability to let our guard down and trust and it affects our friendship with God which is why wholeness is totally key to the way that we live life at this church we believe come join us on a wholeness journey and find out what defense mechanisms you've got in the way that are stopping you from hearing and knowing God and finally just learn how to partner with God in daily life the veterans amongst us and it's good to get to know them. People who've walked in friendship with God for decades, they will tell you they've learned how to partner with God in their everyday life, in their finances, their relationships, their family worries, their you know, moving house, gardening, whatever it is. It's partnering with God in everyday life. And they will tell you that it reaps an extraordinary reward. And the reward is... Friendship with the God that made the universe. That is the invitation. And that is your identity. You're a friend of God. So I'm going to pray for you, and then one of these guys are going to lead us into communion. So if you're comfortable, just close your eyes and just hold some of those ideas in your mind. But maybe the foremost idea is to come to God and say, Am I your friend? Are you my friend? Is there more I can discover about this extraordinary idea? And I think God says to you, yes, there's more to unpack for you this week. There are moments that I have set up for you to encounter me and I want to speak to you and share with you, enjoy life with you and for you to enjoy me. And I want to deepen our friendship this week and I pray God for all of us I pray that you would give us responsive spirits where we've been dulled by life and circumstances and pain wake up our spirits to know you again to know you so that our friendship is not just for now but will last a lifetime and so that one day, when we come to the end of this life, we will slip into your presence and it will be a familiar homecoming. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.